Get ready to rev up your driving experience at Toys and Ford, your ultimate destination for top-notch vehicles and exceptional service. Whether you're in the market for a sleek new car, a rugged truck, or a versatile SUV, Toys and Ford has the ride that suits your style and needs. Toys and Ford's commitment to quality and customer satisfaction is unmatched. Experience the thrill of driving a Ford, backed by their dedicated team's expertise. Don't miss out on the best in automotive excellence. Visit Toys and Ford today or explore their inventory at toysandford.com. Hey there, smart shoppers. Get ready to experience the ultimate grocery adventure at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From fresh produce to gourmet delights, Hy-Vee is your go-to destination for quality and variety. Explore their aisles brimming with everything you need. Whether it's a family feast or a quick snack, they've got you covered. Every aisle is an adventure in good taste. And if you need a cold beverage afterwards, stop by the bar at Wahlburgers to quench that thirst. Shop smart, shop happy, shop Hy-Vee. Elevate your shopping game at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. Welcome back to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toys and Ford. I am your host, Dan Casper. As always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms. And while you are there, be a friend, give it a good review and a five-star rating so other people can find the podcast. We're talking Packers preseason football game one in the books. A little overreaction. Let's have a little fun overreaction, okay? Let's let's. We're not trying to be too serious with like the after one preseason game and and all that sort of stuff. So let's have a little fun with this with the little overreaction Monday morning, a little Monday morning quarterbacking, uh, if you will, based off the uh, the performance that we saw Friday night. So. I mean, if you're into, you know, the statistics of a Friday night's performance, well, here's kind of the the highlights, if you will, in case you missed any of it or didn't see any of it. Jordan Love played just a couple of series, 7 for 10, 46 yards with a touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. Sean Clifford, easily the backup right now to, to Jordan Love, 20 for 26, 208 yards, one touchdown, couple picks, including... Uh, the pick six there, Emmanuel Wilson, who we just mentioned, six carries for 111 yards, 80 of them coming on one carry, also scoring a couple of touchdowns. Receiving-wise, it was Dontavian Wicks, the rookie, with three catches for 68 yards, Samari Torre, three catches for 56, and Malik Heath, three catches for 36 yards. Anthony Johnson, Jr., uh, rookie safety leading the team in total tackles with uh, with five over there. So a couple of picks for this Packers defense. Carrington Valentine and Dallin Levitz uh, also getting in on the action. So what uh, what stood out to you, or who stood out to you? Let's let's just talk about the obvious one first. Number one, Jordan Love. That's everybody who's going to be paying attention to Mr. Love. You know, the the final two preseason games coming up here into the regular season. He is the spotlight. Everybody's going to be watching him. Everybody's putting their scouting caps on and, and trying to figure out, trying to assess, you know, how good of a quarterback he is going to be this year and maybe throughout uh, his career. So your assessment of him on Friday night. You know, we just have a couple of series to look at. I thought overall, my opinion, 
Jordan Love was solid. It is highlighted, though. I mean, a lot of people looking at that one pass that he widely missed to to Luke Musgrave. I mean, it was easily one that he would really, really like to have back, and that is something that you cannot do in a regular season game is to miss a wide-open tight end who had some room to run after that, too. I mean, that's – I know a lot of people are focusing on that, and that was a big, big error, you know, to, to miss that. But overall, after, besides that, I thought Jordan Love was was solid. Um, you know, I look at that throw that he made to Romeo Dobbs in the, in the touch in the end zone there. That's a trust throw. You know, you throw it up there, and you trust Romeo Dobbs to go and get it. Uh, the one thing I did not want to see Jordan Love do was just continue to like check it down. You know, playing it a little too safe at times. Like, okay, nothing's there. Check it down. Nothing's there. Don't want. I don't want to. Throw it uh, into coverage there. I don't want to be aggressive. I'm just going to check it down and play safe. I don't want to see play safe in, in the preseason, right? I I, I don't want to see that. So, to me, Jordan Love looked calm. He looked cool. He looked collected. Uh, so, I think there's a lot of stuff to, to build upon there. Overall, I thought it was solid. Not a whole lot to, to gauge, you know, with just a couple of series there. You know, he had the deep ball to, to Christian Watson. Could he have thrown it a little bit earlier? Could he have uh, had a little less air on it? I know Watson said after the game that uh, he thought everything was perfect. It was just a heck of a play by the safety to make up that ground and get down there. But regardless, overall, I thought Love was solid. couple things to work on, obviously, but something to build upon. And the big thing I just wanted to see from Love again, I didn't want to see him playing safe. I didn't want to see him playing passive. I want him... To go out there and and sling it and just and, and play the quarterback position and just you know not be safe and not be too nervous or apprehensive and I'm I didn't get that sense that he was he looked he looked calm and cool so thumbs up to Love thumbs up to overall I think to Jordan Love but you can't miss Luke Musgrave <laughs> that wide open again don't do it in the regular season Love okay and I know he's probably even still kicking himself for from missing a throw like that. Sticking with the quarterbacks before we get to, to other positions here. Sean Clifford. I'm curious to hear from, from Packers fans what you thought of Sean Clifford. 20 of 26, as we said, but he had a couple picks, two interceptions, and and, and the one touchdown uh, pass. They're over 200 yards. Um, obviously, there was a couple. You know, the, the one pick six, there's couple throws kind of wild over there but for for a rookie again this is a rookie i the the thing that impressed me the most about sean clifford kind of what we were just saying with jordan love didn't play it safe he 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 continued to be aggressive it sure looked like he had a short memory off of his interceptions it's like okay yeah i threw a pick and you kind of wonder at times okay a rookie in his first game first preseason game you know if they make one mistake do they all of a sudden, is it on their mind, and then they try to play it a little too safe and a little too cautious, and then sometimes you get a little bit more in trouble with that. I think what impressed me the most about Sean Clifford was the guy would still continue to go out there and sling it. I mean, after a pick, and then he made some tight throws. It was like, and that's what you want from your quarterbacks. That's what ideally you'd want from any athlete in any sport is after you make a mistake, you forget about it, you move on, and you don't let it linger. Don't let it fester. 
And it sure seems like Sean Clifford did exactly that. Didn't let it linger. Didn't let it affect him. He went out there and balled. I loved how aggressive he was. And I loved how he just, you know, was like, all right, screwed up. We'll get it back on the next one. So overall, I was I was impressed with, with Sean Clifford. I thought he displayed some pretty good arm talent. And, you know, that, that ability to kind of forget about his mistake. I mean, not you don't want to forget about it. You want to learn about it and that. But, you know, in the moment, during a game, put it behind you. Focus on the next play. Now, the, the running back situation here. So, we saw Aaron Jones play like one snap, one series. A.J. Dillon got in a couple series there, too. He had a couple carries. Uh, then it was Goodson, Tyler Goodson, but then he ended up getting hurt. Then it was Patrick Taylor, who's been around, uh, been with the team for a couple of uh, couple of years here, too. But the story was Emmanuel Wilson, the late pickup for, for the Packers here. And if you haven't heard, too, it was... It was the anniversary of his his father's death was Friday, and so he made his debut as as a as an NFL player in a preseason game. And he goes out there and you know six carries for 111 yards, and yes, 80 of them did come on on one carry, but definitely a performance that I think turned some heads, opened up some eyes because I think there is a battle for that third running back position, especially with. Lou Nichols banged up, didn't play in this game, the rookie. Um, so I think there's that opportunity for a who who's going to be that third running back on here. And Wilson's performance, maybe put him in that driver's seat for that third running back on the, on the depth chart. We know the top two are signed, sealed, delivered. But it's going to be a competition between Wilson, between Goodson, you know, I, yesterday at practice, his arm was in a sling. So, you know, hopefully it's not something too serious. But that's not going to help out his cause. You know, we, talk, we, we talked about it before the game. You know, you just want the Packers to avoid any type of injuries. And for the most part, and throughout training camp, you know, they've been able to avoid those injuries. But they, they had a few uh, in this game, and one of them being Tyler Goodson. Patrick Taylor, they are very familiar with him. They know what to expect from him. But Emmanuel Wilson, you know, rookie coming in, late addition, turned some heads. He's a little bit of a bigger one running back. He's like 5'11". He's listed about 225. But I thought he showed some good wiggle, decisive cuts. I think now he's a guy that in these next two games, you're going to be paying attention to 31 to see, okay, you got our attention in game one. Can you continue to keep our attention? What can you do next in these next two to win a job on this roster? But 31 put everybody on notice. It's like, all right, I'm here. I'm serious. I, I, I want a job. I want, I want a spot on this 53-man roster. So with these games coming up against the Patriots this weekend, next week against Seattle, 31 is probably going to get more opportunities, especially if Goodson is banged up and going to be missing some time. Keep an eye on Emmanuel Wilson here. Receiving-wise, now, I know on Friday I had talked a little bit about I was really intrigued with some of these young wide receivers. We know about Watson and Dobbs. They're the top two. They're entering their second years here. You're looking for more growth from them too. But there was some... 
first of all, I think there's some good battles, three, four, five, six, whatever, however many receivers they're going to they're gonna keep. But there was some intriguing talent. Like the more that I was watching, you know, practice and, and hearing about it and reading some of the reports and updates, I was starting to get a little little bit more intrigued with some of these younger guys. And then this game on Friday night, there was a couple that were just like, okay, oh, yeah. I'm excited. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to blow up this year. But I would say if we're doing like stock reports, to me, the potential of this wide receiving group, the arrow is going up. Dontavian Wicks, we mentioned, led the team in receiving. Rookie, fifth-round pick. He was getting reps with the ones in practice just, just a few days ago. Samari Torre made a couple nice plays. Jaden Reed had that ridiculous catch. He had a couple catches for 20 yards, but he had that one ridiculous catch. And then Malik Heath. Malik Heath was one of my guys that I had highlighted as my player to watch, undrafted, late-round pick, player to watch, make some noise in training camp. He was one. Carrington Valentine was the other. Carrington Valentine, we're going to get to him in a second. But the thing, too, that Malik Heath, you know, he had a couple catches, three catches for 36. He looks smooth in his route running. But the thing that he did in that game that is probably going to make coaches notice him more is the blocking. Is the blocking. If you watch the game, you probably know exactly what block I'm talking about. Taking that safety out of bounds, safety getting so frustrated, ended up getting a late penalty. And, and the thing is, Malik Heath, a guy that, you know, he's from Miss Mississippi and why he kind of fell, didn't get drafted. There were some, issues, you know, concerns about his his uh, uh you know off the field stuff and and person you know that sort of stuff and the thing that really stood out to me was you know in a rookie guy being that aggressive late hit throwing him into kind of like the the kicking net there didn't respond usually it's always the second guy that gets flagged right but looking at Dontavian Wicks looking at Samari Torre Malik Heath Jaden Reed. You add in Romeo Dobbs and, and Christian Watson. I don't know if everything will click right away in year one for all these guys. But I think, and this is, might be my little overreaction on Monday. I get it. It might be a little overreaction. I was thinking about this all weekend, and I'm like, I'm trying not to overreact, but not just from one game, but listening to or watching the practices and, and reading all the stuff from the last couple weeks. To me, the young talent in this wide receiver group has some potential it has some potential I just hope that they can hit that potential been saying it for the last week and a half two weeks I'm high on Jaden Reed I think he's the rookie that could have the biggest impact this year offensively I highlighted Malik Keith Dontavian Wicks was even getting reps with the ones there's I don't know this this wide this young wide receiving group has me very very intrigued right now. Uh tight ends. So, obviously we talked a little bit about uh you know the tight ends with with Luke Musgrave and you know you, you look at his numbers, okay, one catch for 8 yards, he was targeted 3 times, should have had another catch with a lot more yards and yak after that, but Luke Musgrave has been just killing it in camp lately. Um, I think he's going to have a good year, too. I know rookies, rookie tight ends, 
typically don't go out there and right away the rookie years just go out and dominate and are these forces it takes a little bit but I really like what we've been seeing from Luke Musgrave so far Tucker Craft you saw him quite a bit on the field didn't really affect uh, the game a whole lot in terms of you know moving the ball or, or stacking the stat sheet and again if you're one of those that really likes pro football focus grades Tucker Craft actually had one of the lowest uh, grades on the offense. He had the fourth lowest grade on offense, uh, 44.8. Yeah, that's if uh, if if you use Pro Football Focus quite a bit. So, but he did earn a poor run blocking grade too. If you're kind of looking at uh, Tucker Craft there, so hopefully you'd like to see a nice bounce back grade from from Tucker. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, in case you're wondering who had the highest grades on the on the offense. We mentioned Emmanuel Wilson earlier, Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, Luke Tenuta, and then Dontavian Wicks. The rest of the uh, lowest bottom offense was Alex McGow, Royce Newman, Deuce Watts, Tucker Craft, Henry Pearson. You know, speaking of that offensive line, you know, we didn't see David Bakhtiari. We saw Elton Jenkins for just really, you know, a really quick glimpse there. Zach Tom getting some time in at center and at tackle. Um, you know, for for me, Royce Newman, I know I kind of mentioned it last week as as a guy that potentially could be on the the cutting block, a guy who's logged quite a bit of snaps was uh, was an early starter his rookie year, Royce Newman, guard, tackle sort of thing. They've tried to find a spot, but you know, for for me, Royce Newman, you just kind of wonder is is uh is the time coming where the Packers move on from, from Royce Newman? He had a couple penalties. Gave up a couple pressures. I just, I, I, how much more? And then, you know, I'm sure, you know, we'll see what injuries factor into it. Jake, uh, Jake Hansen came back yesterday at practice, so you got another backup center, another guard, backup guard. You know, potentially filling in some depth there. But you know, Royce Newman, you just kind of wonder if that that clock is ticking on his time in, in Green Bay right now. I wasn't uh, I wasn't too impressed with him. Defensively, now uh, we mentioned I'm going to start with the corners because you, if you were watching the game, you probably heard Carrington Valentine's name quite a bit, and he was my other player that I had mentioned early last week. As him and Malik Keith were my two undrafted or very late draft picks to watch make some noise in, in preseason. The Lindsey Pipkins Memorial Watch List Award, right? And Carrington Valentine kind of, you know, you, you probably know the name now. If you, if you just kind of heard about it and practice and such and you watch that game, you know who he is now. Had an interception. Probably got away with uh, with a non-pass interference call on, on one of those plays there. But nonetheless... You, you you saw him uh, quite a bit over the field, and yesterday was getting some reps with the ones, uh, with with Jair Alexander not participating in in some team drills. But Carrington Valentine is a guy that you know again a rookie that isn't afraid, isn't uh, you know has this at least initially 
has this mindset of not playing too safe. And that's the one thing you kind of worry about young guys and, and rookies when they come in in their first games or they're trying to play it too safe or they a little too nervous. They don't want to make mistakes. And, and Carrington Valentine showed his aggressiveness, showed a little bit of swag, as long as you can back it up. But Carrington Valentine, if you've just kind of casually heard his name or you're like you heard it last week and like, who the heck is that guy, corner? You probably know about him a little bit more now. I think he's in a driver's seat to to make this ball club. I really do. I I think now he just would have something would have to happen. His play would just have to all of a sudden suddenly just drop off immensely for him not to make this team. But he is his stock is going up, and I think you're going to see him log snaps in in the regular season. Especially you know we don't know the status of Eric Stokes. Jair, Rasul, Nixon are your top three right now. Carrington Valentine's right there in that mix. If Eric Stokes is going to start the season off on the pop list, Valentine's going to get some snaps. He's going to get plenty of snaps on the defense. So he stood out. Nixon got quite a bit of time. Nixon was making some plays earlier in the game, too. You know, Keyshawn Nixon getting the first crack at being that nickel corner. But you saw him lining up at, at you know right at the line of scrimmage. I thought Keyshawn Nixon. You know we know about him with his pl- or with his special teams, with his punt returns and his kick returns, and you know that play. But I thought you know in the few snaps that he logged in on defense, pretty darn solid. He's going to get the first opportunity to be that nickel corner. Good start, solid start in his first uh, very very small sample size there. I liked it. You know, other, you know, Ballantyne, I hope it's nothing. I know he left a little bit with, with an injury there too, Corey Ballantyne, but I thought he was having a good game uh, as well. You know, safety-wise, we saw a lot of Jonathan Owens. And, in fact, again, if you want to go back to pro football focus, he was rated as one of the lowest uh, players. Missed a tackle, gave up an explosive uh, passing play. Over, he just played 15 snaps again with these pro football focus grades. You know, there's not a whole lot of snaps to go around, so you know, kind of take it for a little bit of grain of salt. But you know, he got the got the reps with the ones right away. Interesting, though, if you look at the the positive grades on on defense, Tarvarius Moore, the other safety, had the fourth highest uh, defensive grade, and Anthony Johnson Jr., the one rookie that I really liked from from the seventh round, fifth highest. Uh, fifth highest defensive grade. But Owens yesterday was still lining up with the ones. Right now it sure seems like Jonathan Owens is going to be the other starting safety next to Darnell Savage when the season opens. A lot of time to be decided yet. There's we still got a few weeks to go here. But you saw Rudy Ford a little bit later on in the game. If we were to, you know, just kind of assess it after one, it looks like Jonathan Owens is going to be that guy at the number one safety. But maybe with the play of Tarvarius, uh, uh, Tarvarius Moore, maybe we see him get some more snaps in here. Not sure. We'll see how it works out with the Patriots. But uh, something I think it's it's still something to be watched is this uh, is this safety group here. Linebackers, we saw Quay Walker out there a little bit, right? We saw him. But overall, you know, from from the middle linebackers, inside linebackers, you know, Tariq Carpenter. He, he again another guy that got hurt. 
not a whole lot jumped out, I, I would say, from, from the linebackers, from the inside linebackers portion of it all. You know, one name that you probably heard a lot was, was Brenton Cox Jr., edge rusher, another guy that was an undrafted player, and what, Georgia and, and Florida was first at Georgia, then he went to Florida, had some issues, went undrafted. He's got the talent. He's got the athletic ability. And a lot of people thought if he would just, you know, stayed out of trouble, he would have been drafted. You kind of wonder, is he a guy that could sneak on on this? But you saw him a little bit out there. It was a quiet night for Lucas Van Ness. Not a whole lot going on for, for him, for the rookie. So you'd kind of like to see maybe Lucas Van Ness in his next couple games here maybe be a little bit more active. I mean, he did get in the backfield with Devontae Wyatt on a stunt play earlier on in the game. But, you know, maybe in these next two games we'll see him uh, affect the game a little bit more too. The thing, the other thing that kind of popped out in this game is the injuries. The one I didn't mention when we were talking about, you know, offense and, and tight ends was Tyler Davis. Now, Tyler Davis, we were talking about him on Friday. And Tyler Davis, from all accounts, has been having a good training camp. We know he's a core special teams player. He logged the most snaps on special teams last year for the Packers. But from all accounts, he's been having a good training camp on the offensive side of things this year. And, in fact, it sounds like the Packers were kind of relying on him a little bit, uh, you know, in terms of tight end depth on the offensive side of things. He ended up tearing his ACL in this game, so he's going to be done for the season. What does that mean for tight end depth now? You know, Josiah DeGuara, he's more of an H-back tight end type of role. Puts a little bit more pressure on the rookies of like a Luke Musgrave and a Tucker Craft. You know, I know Luke Musgrave, what probably hurt his draft stock a little bit. He's still a second-round pick, but maybe just a little bit, was his injuries at Oregon State. But now with Tyler Davis hurt and done for the year, it puts a little bit more on the shoulders of those rookie tight ends to be able to produce this year, to be accountable, or to, to be um, available, to be on the field. So that was probably the big injury on, on Friday night was, was to Tyler Davis there. And then overall, defensively, you know, solid job keeping the, the Bengals' offense out of the end zone again. I know no Joe Burrow, no Jamar Chase, you know, number one options out there for, for the offense and that. But, hey, it's still a pride thing for those, uh, for those players out there who are trying to make the team or trying to improve their stock on the depth chart and such. So overall... I thought it was, for, for the first game, a good showing by the Packers. I thought it was a good showing. Don't care about wins or losses. I just care about how players looked. And overall, I thought there was more good than bad. I thought it was a positive showing. It was a good showing. Now, I hope they just continue to stack that, and I hope they continue to get better. Get better every day. I know that's kind of like coach speak there, but just to continue to get better every single day. Man, you know, I was reading Peter King's Football Morning in America column earlier this morning, and I because he just visited uh, Green Bay's camp in that, and talked about you know it's it's a really young team and and kind of got the the sense that you know Goody and and Lafleur you know are excited about you know kind of wiping the slate clean and, and molding clay and building this team up here, and 
you know, just again, it might be a little overreaction Monday, but kind of looking at some of these youngsters, and and I know I'm focusing on the the wide receivers there, but then you incorporate, you know, Luke Musgrave and the tight ends there. There's some potential there to be have some really good depth and really good players. Will it happen in year one? Odds are probably not, but there's some potential there. There's some potential there. There's there's some excitement there. One thing I'm also kind of curious about when it when it comes to to Green Bay and and this team that they're putting together, I kind of wonder if Green Bay is going to have more of a typical fullback now on their roster. You know, the last couple of years it's been like the H back and Deguara and, and, and you know kind of lining up a tight end there. Now I, I'm kind of wondering: Do they put or do they keep a more? I'm going to say more typical fullback, even though Henry Pearson has played a lot of tight end in in college. Kind of, he's more of an H back type of player. But Green Bay really plug him in that in that fullback spot. He was involved in a couple big blocks on on a couple big run scoring drives for, for the Packers. Had that stupid special teams penalty for the late hit. If you remember the the late hit special teams, I mean that you got to clean up. But I kind of wonder, will will Green Bay carry a guy like Henry Pearson? Who I'll be honest with you, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, fullback, he ain't making the team. And you kind of wonder now too with Tyler Davis's injury, does that open the door for a guy like Henry Pearson to make this ball club now? And you look at his collegiate numbers when he was with uh, Appalachian State. He's got a lot of receptions. I mean, he finished his career with over over 70 catches, 74 receptions, 897 yards, 11 touchdowns. Tight ends. But he played a lot of tight end. But they, they've got him working in that fullback role, got him working as that H-back role. And you look at, I mean, he's 6'2", he's like 250, so that is, I mean... He's got the size to, to play fullback. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, does that d- d- does maybe Green Bay have a little bit more of a typical fullback, a lead blocker? You know, no offense to, to Josiah DeGuar or anything like that, but when I think of like a lead blocker, I'm thinking a little bit bigger of a guy, you know, more of a fullback type of player. And I wonder... I wonder now. That's so I guess what I'm trying to say here now too in these next couple of games. I might pay a closer or have a closer eye on number 44. And for what it's worth, the depth chart packers.com does list him as a fullback. They don't list him as a tight end or H back whatever. They got him as a, as a fullback. But I think that's something to maybe kind of keep an eye on and that would be different. That would be a different approach from the last couple of years here for for Green Bay. Could they have a lead blocker in place here? Are they going to change things up a little bit? Wanted to potentially throw that out there, though, too. Because now you got a lot of people starting to, you know, one game's in, 53-man roster projections, right? And and I'll tell you right now, I'm going to do my 53-man roster, but I'm doing it after the final game. I'm not going to do it after one game. And I know it's all about, you know, it's fun and it's kind of fun to think about, but I always do one. One of integrity. One prediction of integrity, projection of integrity. So, mine, I'll, I'll do it after the third game. But 
I might have to find a spot for, for a fullback now. Well, hey, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper. Big thanks again for tuning in, and we'll chat with you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.